It's 1210. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We are broadcasting from the WTMJ mobile studio outside of Miller Park. It is game one of the National League Division Series playoffs. First pitch a little bit after 4 o'clock this afternoon. Here's the way it is going to work. The parking lots, and I said this a minute ago, and it's, it's true, it's like the calm before the storm. What's going on now is the parking lots essentially empty, just essentially empty. They're going to open up in about, um, well, about 1 o'clock. Sometimes the brewers make the decision to open them up a little bit earlier, but the parking lots are going to open up three hours or so before the first pitch. The stadium itself opens up about two and a half hours before the first pitch, but right now it's kind of this eerie sense of anticipation. You see some people that are milling around. The Milwaukee police were here. They had their drug-sniffing or bomb-sniffing dog or whatever walking around, but everybody is getting ready. Some of the workers were coming in to get the stadium staffed, but in really a very, very short time, you're going to have 45,000 people that are here. Now, as I also said earlier, this is very reminiscent to me of opening day because, first of all, it's sunny, but it is chilly. Temperature out here in the low 50s, there's a pretty stiff breeze. So if you're planning to come out and and do some tailgating, of course, who's not going to come out and do some tailgating? If you're planning to do that, my advice is, again, it might look like it's kind of warm, but it's a little bit chilly out here, so dress accordingly. A lot of fun. One of the other things that the brewers are saying is if you are coming out here to go to the game, be prepared because, again, this is a big deal. You're, be prepared for some lines at, at, to get in. So make sure you leave yourself enough time. It, it's just, I mean, think back to opening day and think back when you have the large crowds. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time to get into the stadium. So the whole idea is everyone wants to come out and you want to have fun and you want to tailgate. But if people get into their seats earlier, it makes it a lot easier for everybody else. We're just having a blast out here. Here's what we're going to be doing on the program today as we get closer to first pitch we're going to kind of segue into more baseball related and sports related topics as the program goes on but i do want to do a regular show because there's a lot of stuff going on in the world before that we will continue to keep you updated about what's going on with traffic what it looks like from miller park also want to remind everybody that if you do not do not have tickets and the game is a sellout if you don't have tickets what you can do is you can do the next best thing which is participate this afternoon in what we're calling the hometown call at turner hall it is a viewing party for game one it is a free event did i mention it's a free event and it features a massive movie screen broadcast at the turner hall ballroom of game one turner hall is of course located right across from the Bradley Center. Upstairs is the ballroom area. If you've come down to our Christmas presentation over the last couple years, that's where it is. It's upstairs. But it's going to be game one, and here's what's really cool. What we're going to do is we're going to sync up the radio call. So you hear Bob Euchre and Jeff Levering. We're going to sync up that with the televised broadcast. So you're not going to have to listen to you know the, the national broadcasters. You're going to be able to get the hometown call um, all across the 
Associated Bank Brewers Radio Network. The doors to that open up at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Again, first pitch is slightly after 4. So it is a very, very big day. We're here to have a lot of fun. I want to take our first break of the afternoon. When we come back, well, something that's not very fun is the insanity continues in Washington, D.C. When we gonna, when we come back, we'll talk about the latest developments in the Brett Kavanaugh situation and an argument that one senator is making as to why he shouldn't be confirmed. We'll discuss all that in just a minute. It's 1214. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting live from Miller Park. It's 1217, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, once again broadcasting live outside of Miller Park as we get ready for the first pitch, Game 1 of the National League Division Series between the Milwaukee Brewers and the Colorado Rockies. It was interesting. I was talking to a number of people this morning. The, the fact that Colorado was able to go into Chicago two nights ago and win that one-game wild-card playoff, which is why you don't want to ever, if you can avoid it, get involved in a one-game playoff and why it was so important that the Brewers win on Monday. But the dynamic, I think, is so completely different here than if it would have been Chicago that won. One of the things they saw is as soon as Colorado beat Chicago, the, the secondary market for tickets kind of just bottomed out because you had all these Chicago Cub fans that were ready to pay stupid money to come up here in the secondary market and attend the games. And now that the Cubs aren't in the game anymore, well, okay, you don't have that interest. I'm sure we're going to have some Colorado fans, but it would have been a completely, totally, I think, different dynamic if you had Chicago that's come up here. I don't care whether it's Chicago or whether it's Colorado. I think this is a Brewers team that's got a lot of potential and can, as I've been arguing, can certainly get to the World Series, maybe even win the World Series. Would not that be cool? But in any event, sort of different dynamic that it's Colorado instead of Chicago. It is, however, all good. All right. I hate to say I told you so, but I, I did tell you so. Over the course of the last couple weeks, when we've been talking about the Brett Kavanaugh situation, a number of people would call in or they would text in. And the argument they would make is, we need to delay this. We need to delay it so the FBI can do an investigation. And I I would challenge people who would say that to me. And my challenge would be, what do you think an investigation is going to show? In, In the case of the Kavanaugh situation, you have the woman who's come forward and accused him of doing this. She and I and believe I'm not mocking her, but she has no details. She says, I can't remember where this where this was. I can't remember precisely when it was. I can't tell you anybody else who were there except these other two. There's only two people, one of my friends and then this Mark Judge guy. Other than that, I have absolutely no details about this. And so the lady that she identified, she comes out, she publicly says, look, I, I she never said anything. I have no recollection of being at a party like this. Mark Judge, he's given statements under oath saying, I, this never happened. I have no recollection of this. I never saw conduct consistent with this. Brett Kavanaugh's testified under oath that it didn't happen. All right, th- this is 30-some years ago. And my challenge was, what do you think an investigation is going to, to show? It's not like... You have somebody who makes an accusation of something that happened a week ago or a month ago or maybe even a year ago where you have a chance of going back and being able to recreate records and things like that. If I'm the FBI agent or the FBI agent who's supervising this and this lands on my desk, well, well, what do you do? 
What, what do you do? You say, okay, well, you know, go out, let's re-interview this person, let's re-interview that person. But the truth of the matter is, you're never going to be able to come up with any evidence as to what did or did not happen 30-plus years ago. And that was always the point that I was making. Well, all right, last week at the Senate Judiciary Committee, they agreed to stall the vote for a week to allow the FBI to go out and conduct an investigation. Now, so far, the general public has not seen the results of the investigation, but some of the senators who have are talking about it in broad terms. And what they're saying is there's nothing new in there. It's plowed absolutely no new ground. For anybody who thought that there was going to be some smoking gun that they found implicating Brett Kavanaugh, it's just not true. And and it's simply because, again, whatever did or did not happen 36 years ago, it's so long ago that you're never going to be able to find any sort of corroborating evidence. The investigation, to the extent that anybody thought it was going to break new ground, it was doomed from from the start. But now you apparently have the investigation that's been undertaken. The, the summaries that you're hearing from some people is they're saying, well, there, there's, there's nothing in it that implicates Brett Kavanaugh beyond, again, the statement of, you know, Dr. Ford, who who says this is what happened, but there's absolutely no corroborating evidence. So we're back where we were at the beginning of this whole thing, which is the woman makes the accusations against him. There's absolutely no corroborating evidence of this. What do you do with it? So in that context, I thought it was interesting. One of... I think these senators and Cory Booker is a senator from New Jersey and he, he, he's one of these guys that like, like so many U.S. senators, both Republicans and Democrats, when they look in a mirror, they see, they see a president. And Cory Booker is the guy who desperately wants to be the president of the United States. He has come out and he has said, regardless of what the FBI probe finds, and the FBI probe, from what I understand, has found nothing new. It's plowed new new ground. He says that the Senate needs to move on, and whether or not he's innocent or guilty, whether or not there's any corroborating evidence or not, that um, Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh, should be rejected by the Senate simply because. Well, he doesn't have the temperament now to be a justice on the Supreme Court because we all saw how angry he was that he was accused, in his mind, falsely being a sexual predator. So now the argument is it doesn't matter. We've got no corroborating evidence, but we should still vote no because he lacks judicial temperament. All right, let's open up the phone lines. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. In some respects... And we were talking to yesterday, I had an opportunity to interview on the air, the White House Director of Strategic Communications. In some respects, it would be the course of least resistance to simply say, all right, we've, we've had all these attacks on Brett Kavanaugh. He's had to defend himself in a way that no nominee has ever had to defend themselves in the past. But because he's angry, because he didn't like this, maybe it would be easier just to move on and say, let's find somebody else. And that presumably is what Cory Booker is saying. Hey, innocent, guilty, doesn't matter. Time to move to whatever plan B is. 
414-799-1620. Is that what the Senate should do when it votes on the nomination? And it will vote on the nomination tomorrow and Saturday. 414-799-1620. If you're on the line, please hold on. We'll discuss in just a moment. We are broadcasting live from Miller Park in advance of Game 1 of the National League Division Series. It's 1224. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The wait is over. The playoffs are here for the first time in seven years. Postseason baseball is going to be played at Miller Park. I am broadcasting live from outside of Miller Park. Hall of Famer Bob Euchre is on the call for every pitch in October. It all starts at 3.30 this afternoon with Game 1 of the National League Division Series between the Colorado Rockies and our Milwaukee Brewers. WTMJ is your home for Brew October. Matter of fact, uh, right out of the box, tomorrow, 12.07, I am scheduled to be joined by Mr. Baseball Bob Euchre. We'll talk about all things Brewers. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Chris in Milwaukee. Chris, you're first. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What do you think? Well, I think that from my understanding, where this allegedly happens, the the state, that there isn't any uh, statutory limitations as far as him being charged criminally. So regardless if it was 35 years ago, uh, if it's found to be true, I think it should be pursued. But, but tell, me uh, how so, you, tell me how you find it to be true. I mean, that well, not, you have no other evidence besides her claim. Well, huh? let me huh? finish. You can be accused of something and somebody's testimony saying you did this. Sometimes it's sufficient enough to be charged. I don't think anybody seriously thinks he's going to be criminally charged. Uh, what I'm saying is, during the course of that trial, is where you present evidence to prove or to not prove that it actually occurred. There are many times where people get charged uh, currently where somebody say they were raped. And, it, and there might not be any physical evidence. But the, the police would still arrest and charge as a person, and then they have to prove their innocence through the court of law. Well, okay, Chris, I, I, I want to stop you because we're, we're in the we're in the twilight zone now. Let, let, me, let me let me just tell you, I don't think I don't think anybody, and even their most fevered dreams, is really seriously arguing that Brett Kavanaugh should be charged with a felony for an uncorroborated allegation from thirty six years ago. And I will tell you this: from an ethical standpoint, I, I I believe it is fundamentally unethical for a prosecutor to bring criminal charges in a case that they know or should know that they have absolutely no chance of being able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt well, me, and that is clearly this case well let sure. me ask you this same, same scenario if a child claims that a priest molested them 35 years ago should they be held accountable and criminally charged because well, there's it, no, uh, any evidence uh, well, thanks for call, Chris. No, well, the, the answer is is it depends. If you have an unverified and un- completely uncorroborated p- uh, allegation from 35 years ago, there's nobody that's going to bring charges based simply on that. Now, it might be that you're able to find some corroboration. It might be that you're able to find a pattern in practice and other people who made those allegations. Um, but, but just saying we're going to charge somebody for something that they allegedly did 35 years ago, when, again, there is no corroboration. It, it's, it's just flat not, it's flat not going to happen. And I, I guess my, that's been the point I've been making all along about these investigations, that it, you're, you're never going to have more evidence than you have. You have the lady who makes the allegation, and 
I can't remember this, I can't remember that. And again, people can argue about whether that is legitimate or whether it affects her credibility. I don't even want to get to that point in time. I just want to say that the, the mere allegation itself is all you were ever going to have because of the passage of time or, or whatever. So this idea that, well, simply because he's been accused of something and there's no corroboration at all, that should be disqualifying. That's a really, really dangerous place to be in America if that's where we are now, where somebody can come up and say, any of us did something 35 or 40 years ago. It was never reported. There's no sort of corroboration, but this now means that you shouldn't be able to do this job or that job or whatever. We're going to pick it up right there. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620. Cory Booker, senator from New Jersey, says it doesn't matter whether Kavanaugh is guilty or innocent. He, he shouldn't be on the Supreme Court. What do you think? It's 1237, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from outside of Miller Park, 620 WTMJ Mobile Studio. It appears that they're just in the process of opening up the parking lots, at least the main parking lot, the preferred parking lot right in front of our broadcast facility here. They're starting to let cars in, and people are unpacking their vehicles, and they're setting up tables, and they're getting ready for their tailgate. If you are coming out to Miller Park again, uh, they... The gates are going to open up, um, generally speaking, sometime around 1.30. I think that's the gate to get into the stadium. And what the brewers are saying is, have fun and you're tailgating, but there's going to be security lines. It's going to kind of be like opening day. There's going to be 45,000 people here. So they're encouraging people to make sure you get in, get in your seats early. My understanding is they've got some special stuff lined up as pregame activities. So don't miss the first pitch of this game. All right, 414-799-1620. If you're just joining us, the FBI report is now complete. As I said when we were having this conversation over the last several weeks, just as a practical matter, I don't know what the FBI investigation was going to reveal because the the allegations against Judge Kavanaugh are old and they're unconfirmable because of the passage of time, um, the lack of recollection of some of the accusers. So. The fact that they've turned up nothing is is no surprise at all. But there's still a number of prominent Democrats who are saying it doesn't matter whether it turned up or not. He should still be voted down. Let's talk to Suzanne in Greendale. Suzanne, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for uh, listening to my call. Um, I wanted to mention how it's surprising that a lot of people aren't mentioning about not only is her story uncorroborated, but her false statements, her false statements such as being afraid of flying and then, and then the later was revealed that she's flying all over the world. And then her story about um, the witnesses that claimed that were there, they actually, it's not only not corroborated, but it's refuted. And then stories of the door, the door she said that she had in the front of the house, well, it turns out that permits reveal that it was done and um, the design was done in 2007, years before. Yeah. And she's got two houses, and she didn't get a, a yeah. second door in her beach home. But there's, and then also the lie about the polygraph, not knowing if you're being videotaped by her lawyer's right. polygraph. I mean, your lawyer would be prepping you. Yeah, I'm a lawyer. Yeah, there's and clearly the- inconsistencies. I mean, there's, there's clearly inconsistencies, I guess. But what about the, what about the more fundamental thing that, that the allegations in them, in and of themselves compare and You'd look at that, plus the way he reacted. He, he was angry, etc., etc. Is that enough, or should that be enough to disqualify him from the Supreme Court? 
Well, you know, as Rachel Mitchell, she's a prosecutor, and everyone knows if you're going to bring a case before someone, whether it's civil or criminal, you have to have evidence to back up your claim. You can't just go to court or you can't even file a claim and, um, and say that, well, here's my allegation. You have to have some kind of evidence to back up your claim. If you would even bring some claim and it was found in your case was dismissed, I mean, they could actually sue you for malicious prosecution. And, you know, and Kavanaugh would really even have a claim for slander against her if you wanted to, to pursue that. But you can't just go and file any kind of lawsuit against someone just because of an allegation. You have to have some kind of evidence that will back up the claim. Like Rachel yeah. Mitchell said, no reasonable prosecutor would take that case because not only is it just an allegation, but it's refuted and her story is inconsistent. And there's a, a lot of um, yeah. false statements that she made, you know. You know yeah. Well, Susan, th- thanks for the call. I mean, I, I understand that. I, I want to. Look, I, I have already said, if I was in the U.S. Senate, I would vote for Judge Kavanaugh. I would vote to confirm him. I think he has the qualifications to be a Supreme Court judge. And I don't think that you should be saying no to people based on uncorroborated, serious allegations of misconduct uh, and unprovable and un- uncorroborated allegations of misconduct. I, I don't think that's fair to the process. I don't think that's fair to anybody who's going to be a nominee. Now, having said that, though, that we're, we're not in a court of, of law. We're, we're not in innocence until proven guilty. Our first caller was saying, well, I think they should issue criminal charges against him. Well, with all due respect, that's ridiculous. I mean, nobody's, no prosecutor is going to bring a criminal charge based on an unsupported, uncorroborated, and unprovable allegation from 36 years ago. But at the same time, we aren't talking about innocent until proven guilty. It's not a criminal setting. It's not a civil setting. It's a Senate, the U.S. Senate, in the context of advising and consenting to you know, a lifetime appointment to the Supreme Court. So it is a different standard. 414-799-1620. Phil in Muskego. Phil, thanks for waiting. You're on WTMJ. Uh, you are welcome. Uh, good afternoon. You know, good afternoon. I, I what do you think? More, I, I see this, excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, I see this more as a, uh, a temperament and character issue. Um, you know, no, you can't prove it, but I think he's been shown that he's lied on, uh, uh, under oath. He's also. Um, this is a about what? what? What do you What do you think he lied about? I'm curious. Well, I, I think he's tried to downplay and minimize what he's done in college and how much he's consumed beer. I mean, there's a, a book out there by his buddy, and the pseudonym is Bart O'Kavanaugh, and how blackout drunk he used to be. You know, mm-hmm. it's more. There's a lot of anecdotal uh, evidence. Maybe not something the, the civil or criminal. You know, to prosecute them, but you know what? So not so much That's lie, but downplay or minimize? Um, there's also stories of him exposing himself out there, too. You know, I think a lot of stuff is being ignored. And, and what's really disappointing is, is how um, conservative talk radio hosts are downplaying it, minimizing it, and sugarcoating it. Like, oh, this is, you know, it's not prosecutable. But what about all the anecdotal evidence? This is a, a job interview. And would you ask somebody who's interviewing you if they got blackout drunk? I would never do that. Well, I would, would no, I, I would, or, or you know, have. Gee, there, there's some. Thanks for the call. I guess I, I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble tracking. I appreciate the call, but I'm having trouble tracking the objection here. Because look, here, here's the. Would, would you, if I was conducting a job interview, would I say, hey, all right, 35 or 40 years ago? 
you know, did you did, did you ever drink to excess? Or 35 or 40 years ago, when you were in college, did you ever go to these parties or whatever? I, I wouldn't do that as part of, of a job interview. I don't think anybody does. But as far as this anecdotal evidence, let me just say this. I, I don't know that there's any evidence at all. What you have is you have... The one, the one lady who's come forward and she's testified. You've got the, this other woman, uh, the, this other woman who, you know, said that there was uh, certain conduct that was in college. My understanding is the FBI went out and sat. This would be um, the lady, the Ramirez. The, the FBI talked to her for the better part of two hours. But again, there, there's no contemporaneous evidence suggesting this stuff really did happen. And it is interesting to me the timing of all this that this comes out. At the last minute after you have a number of people who said, look, we're going to make it our, our goal in life to try to stop the Kavanaugh nomination. Now, I've said this before. It would be easier. I get it. It would be easier for President Trump to simply say, okay, I'm going to find somebody else and send up a, another name tomorrow. The question is... At, at, who wants this job? If this is now going to be the standard, especially that's applied to conservatives, that any time you get a nomination or you're nominated for something, now you can have people that can just make say anything they want about your your background, and it is going to be taken as gospel, absent any sort of corroboration. Now, I, I think... To me, it's interesting that ha- here you have somebody that's 53 years old, been through six background investigations, um, serving on one of the highest courts in the land. The D.C. Circuit is kind of like the first among equals. Nobody's ever suggested that he lacks the judicial temperament or the qualifications to be a judge. But now, now this is becoming an issue. My guess is if the situation were reversed and there were Democrats that controlled the House, the, the U.S. Senate, and Barack Obama was the president, you know, none of this type of stuff would have come out. In any event, the FBI report is now done. For people who thought that it was going to find a smoking gun, that's just not the case. That's just not what happened. And so now the question is going to become, are there enough votes to pass him on? My guess is... My guess is he gets confirmed. My guess is you even get one or two Democrats that ended up voting end up voting for him. My guess is the final number is going to be 52 or 53 to confirm. Something could, of course, happen because, you know, who knows? The, this procedure is so incredibly dynamic. But my prediction is by Monday, Brett Kavanaugh is going to be in a position to join the United States Supreme Court. But the truth of the matter is, just like Clarence Thomas, Brett Kavanaugh is going to be forever tainted. And the process by which we select Supreme Court judges and maybe lower court judges as well is forever tainted as well. This whole process isn't going to make anybody happy. It's 1247. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 1251. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We are broadcasting live from the 620 WTMJ mobile studio. As I was saying earlier, it's kind of like a a bookend. It, It seems like... It was just yesterday that we were out here for our opening day broadcast. Steve Scafidi was sitting where I'm sitting now in our broadcast facility in front. I was in the dugout interviewing people. And here we are, six months or so later, and it's game one of the playoffs. The parking lots, at least, I don't know if they've opened all of them, but the preferred parking lot in front of me, people are starting to drive in now. They're setting up grills, a little bit of tailgating going on. It is weather, kind of reminiscent of the sort of opening day. It's The sun is shining, which is a good thing. Uh, there is a very stiff breeze. So my only advice is if you're coming out here to tailgate, 
dress appropriately, but it's going to be warm, temperature-controlled inside Miller Park. The roof is going to be closed. We're going to have just an absolutely great time. I'm going to be with you until uh, 3 o'clock this afternoon. Then we'll have Greg Matzik in for a special sort of Sports Central type of thing, and then we turn it over for our pregame coverage right around 3.30. Tomorrow, we do it all again. The only difference is game time, first pitch, is an hour earlier. It's a little bit after 3 o'clock. I want to say like right around 3.15 instead of 4.07 today. But um, just exciting, just an absolute blast. If you can't get out to Miller Park today, well, all right, you can still watch the game and listen to the radio broadcast with a lot of Brewers fans. WTMJ is presenting the hometown call at Turner Hall. It is a viewing party this afternoon for Game 1, the free event that I mentioned it's free. The free event features a massive movie screen broadcast at Turner Hall Ballroom, Game 1 of the National League Division Series between the Brewers and the Colorado Rockies. And here's what's so cool. It's going to be synced to Hall of Famer Bob Uecker's play-by-play broadcast on the WTMJ Radio and Associated Bank Brewers Radio Network. The doors at Turner Hall open up at 3 o'clock this afternoon. First pitch is at 4 o'clock. Be sure to check that out. You know, it, it, it's interesting. I, we were talking about in the previous conversation, some people saying, well, this investigation was too short, it should have gone on longer, etc., etc. <clears throat> My point was, given the nature and the timing of these allegations, you're, you're never going to get a resolution. You're, you're never going to be find, able to find corroborating information. Um, the, the people, for example, the lady that alleges that Brett Kavanaugh did this, that, or the other thing, you know, the, the names of the people that she've give, she's given, they don't support her statements. Now, I'm not judging one way or the other. I'm just saying it's an uncorroborated sort of thing. And you can investigate till the cows come home, but asking the FBI or anybody to go back and try to, gee, this I allege this happened in the summer of 1980-whatever. I don't know where. I don't know when. I don't know who was there except these people who say it didn't happen. You're never going to go further. Now, the... Since that first allegation, there's been a couple. The, the one that's really raised, I think, most most eyebrows has been this allegation that came from this woman named Julie Swetnick, and she's the one who um, yeah, she's represented by the attorney for Stephanie Clifford, Stormy Daniels, and she's the one that, that's come forward, and she she suggested that uh, Brett Kavanaugh was involved in group sexual assaults. I mean, really, really explosive sort of stuff. Now, the problem is, it's interesting because most major news outlets, before they will run a story accusing somebody of gang rape or aiding and abetting gang rape, they're, they're going to imply certain journalistic standards like, hey, we got to be able to go out and at least get some confirmation. We're just not going to put anybody on there to make these sort of allegations. Well, all right, that's why a lot of mainstream news outlets just wouldn't touch this story with a 10-foot pole other than to say these were allegations that were reported, you know, wherever. All right. Most of the major news networks stayed away from this woman, like I say, with a 10-foot pole because they just couldn't corroborate anything. And the more you got into the details of her story, she started backtracking. Well, I didn't really say this or I didn't mean that or whatever. That did not, however, stop NBC from jumping in um, with both feet. On Monday night, ABC, NBC, on MSNBC, um, they did a 10-minute story 
on an interview with this Julie Swetnick, and an excerpt appeared on NBC's Nightly News. And it's interesting because even among the mainstream media that is not necessarily sympathetic to somebody like Brett Kavanaugh, there there's all sorts of blowback because people are saying, you know, what what we've done, we recognize that this is an explosive story, we recognize that there is a competitive deadline, but this is one where, you know, maybe MSNBC really kind of crossed the line because, you know, the, the difference here is the, these allegations are explosive. There's no corroboration. And if you do multiple interviews, this woman seems to back off on all of these. I, I really, I think, as I said earlier, the Supreme Court nomination process has been forever changed and not for the better. And I think, again, the way the media, particularly the mainstream media, handles allegations and what they choose to present when there's no corroborating evidence, I think it's changing the media standards as well. And like I would say, that's not for the better as well. All right, we got a lot of great stuff coming up on today's program. We'll be back with more in just a couple minutes. Like I say, we're broadcasting live from outside Miller Park, the 620 WTMJ mobile studio. It's 1257. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 110. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, and I am broadcasting live from the WTMJ mobile studio, our mobile broadcast facility, out in front of Miller Park. Got a chance to wander around a little bit over the last couple minutes. The parking lots are open. The grills are going. People are in the mood for baseball. The stadium opens up, I believe, in about a half hour or so. Uh, The Brewers are suggesting that people... Get in their seats early. There are security lines and things, and I know they've got a lot of special pregame activities. First pitch a little bit after 4 o'clock this afternoon. So I'm telling you, it is exciting. Great environment out here. If you cannot get out to Miller Park, if you don't have tickets, the game is, in fact, sold out. I want to remind everybody that we've got our WTMJ hometown call at Turner Hall, the watch party at the ballroom at Turner Hall, which is on the second floor. We're going to have a giant screen television set, and what's really cool is we are syncing up the TV uh, broadcast to our WTMJ play-by-play. So you can hear Jeff Levering and Bob Uecker making the calls. That's very cool. Turner Hall, the gates, the doors open up at 3 o'clock. And again, first pitch slightly after 4 o'clock. So check that out. On this program, we're, we're sort of segueing in towards baseball. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about the playoffs in baseball in the 2 o'clock hour of the program. But some other stuff going on in the world and some interesting topics that I want to discuss with with you. Last week, when I was watching the, the Senate Judiciary Committee hearings on, on Brett Kavanaugh, I, I will say one of the things that struck me was how many of the senators were older. Now, it, it, and, if, and if that was the impression that you got, well, it, it's correct. Charles Grassley, for example, um, who was the, the committee chairperson, Grassley, he's 85 years old. Orrin Hatch, 84 years old. Patrick Leahy, 78 years old. Diane Feinstein. You know, the list goes on and on and on. You know, in the case of Leahy and Orrin Hatch and Charles Grassley, they had experience with confirmation hearings like the one that happened last week because they handled the Anita Hill hearings in 1991. And here, you know what, 20-plus years later, they're still handling these types of things. Now, I thought this was interesting because in most, not all, but most publicly held corporations in this country, there is... 
there's an age limit. Um, for example, many, 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 many companies have a policy that says once a, a CEO hits a certain age, well, then they, they kind of kick them upstairs, put them on the board of directors, make them chairman emeritus or whatever, but they make room for a younger person. Generally speaking, even at privately held companies, there is often a transition process, project process that takes place where you know you make way for a, a younger generation. Because I mean, look, I understand with with age comes wisdom, but at a certain point, everybody starts to slow down, and that's why you know many, like I say, many companies make way for you know like younger people. In politics, it doesn't work that way. In politics, you have elected officials who get into office, and in some cases, people move on. But in many cases, they cling to it forever. And that's why you have senators that are in their their 80s. In some cases, you've had senators who are in there even longer than that. And look, I, I understand that we all age differently. But the truth of the matter is... All right, there are certain effects to, to aging. And in many situations, I don't know, there's a reason why people decide to retire, and that's because they don't have as much energy, say, at 70 as they did at 40. Um, cognitive processes start to decrease a little bit. Those are all the different factors that are out there. But we don't have a maximum age limit when it comes to political office. We have a minimum age limit. Hey, you have to be 35 years old to be the President of the United States. But we don't have a maximum age limit. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think about that? Would it make sense to say that beyond a certain point... And, and again, I understand that people age differently, no question about it. But beyond a certain point, maybe should there be essentially a mandatory retirement age? I'm not talking about term limits. I'm just talking about, and I don't know what that time term, I don't know what that age would be. Would it be 70? Would it be 75? Would it be 80? But beyond that, should we say, all right, once you hit that age, it's time it is time to make way for somebody younger. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's an issue that we don't like to address in society today because the reality is we are all getting older, and that certainly beats the alternative. But, you know, when you do look at, for example, the Senate Judiciary Committee last week, you see a lot of people who have a ton of experience, no question about it, but they're also older. Would it make more sense? Would the country be better off? Would we have a better system if we said at a certain point in time, just like lots of private corporations do, we're going to have a mandatory retirement age? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I will tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss in just a moment. Mandatory retirement ages for politicians. Would it make sense? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. We're broadcasting live from outside of Miller Park. The playoffs kick off in just a couple hours. It's 116. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 119. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, once again broadcasting live from Miller Park. I was pulling some numbers during the break. It's kind of interesting. Um, I got this 2017 report that says nearly three-quarters of S&P 500 firms and roughly half of the S&P 1500 companies have bylaws that require CEOs to retire at a certain age, most typically 65. 
Warren Buffett's in his late 80s. He still shows up at work every day. But but he's the exception, not the rule. And uh, the average age of S&P CEOs, has, it, it's in the mid-50s. But more and more of these companies have mandatory retirement ages, 65, 70, and yet you've got the U.S. Senate that has people that are in, in their 80s. Should we have an age limit for politicians? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Nicole in Sheboygan. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Jeff. Um, definitely as a medical professional, um, I would say please definitely needs to be an age limit and a cognitive ability to show that they actually can uh, um mentally handle being in the Senate to after an age. Mm-hmm. What would you say that age would be? Um, I would be a little bit more generous, maybe 70, maybe pushing it 75. But, I mean, you start to see the cognitive difficulty starting in the 70s, depending mm-hmm. on dementia starting, depending on in each individual. Right. And, of course, you've got, I mean, it's tough to generalize, but you've also got the, the deterioration of physical skills. And, and that's just the reality. No matter how in shape you are, you know, you're, you, you, the body starts to break down over time. And I guess I, I kind of look at that as well. And part of the thing that's frustrating to me, Nicole, is, of course, these entrenched senators in particular, um, once you've been there forever, you have this power, you have this incredible ability to raise money. So, you know, as you get older, you become more and more entrenched. It's tougher to get you out of office. And as a result, you, you start to wonder, are we really getting, is it time for, is it time for people to move on and, and, is that time 84 or 85 years old? I don't think so. I think it's much earlier by right. dealing with regular activities daily. And I think there's a lot of times where people can cover it up very easily by the people around them if there's a lot of money right. going hand in hand. Yeah, no, thanks for calling, Nicole. Well, you're right, too, because you know, a lot of times, and, and you, you saw this in, in the past with senators and, and congressmen who were extremely old um, and, and candidly whose best days were behind them, that what happened was, you know, that they had, you had the aides that took care of all the work and, and, and you just really, that what what ended up happening is because of of age and diminishing skills, the, the the Congress people started to punch out more and more. And look, I appreciate that this is a topic that people it's we're all uncomfortable with this because we end up getting older. But I I was struck as I was watching these committee hearings, and this isn't a conservative or liberal or Republican or Democrat. But I was thinking, boy, there there there's some young people on this committee, but there's there's some really really old people that are on this committee as well. Mike on the northwest side, Mike, you're on W. TMJ, good afternoon. Hey, uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, I compare this to overripened fruit on the shelf. You have to take, you know, you have to really uh, think about this, and it's time for people to move on. If you're in the 80s or 90s, some people age differently, and they have different skills that they're still available, but when you're 80 or 90, you really still want to keep going to work. I mean, uh, it's time to hang it up sometime and move well, on. Yeah, to well, it- people. It, it, well, it, it is, and, and you, you, look, and you hate to say that because there, there's second and third and fourth acts in American life, and there's all sorts of stuff that you do. But like I said, there, the, the best example there is a reason why American businesses have mandatory retirement ages. I mean, th- there there is. So if it's good enough for the the biggest companies in the world, why isn't it good enough for I don't know the U.S. Senate or Congress? It should be. Thanks for the call, Mike. I appreciate it. Anne in Milwaukee. Anne, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. 
Now, you realize, yeah. Anne, I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at my emails and my text messages. I'm going to have all sorts of people accusing me of being an ageist so-and-so. And I'm really not. I'm just trying to call them like I see them in this one. No, you're right. And But uh, I, too, think that uh, 65, I think that should be the limit because um, we all, I mean, there are a lot of people that have their marbles all the way through 90, and God bless them. But uh, when you're pushing 75, I mean, 70 between there, you're kind of pushing yourself. And it's like that guy said before, do you really want to go to work that late, you know, in, the, in, the, in your years? It's time to let it go and let someone else pick up the pieces. Well, that, that's the, the other thing. I mean, and I, I mean, I understand, for example, being a U.S. senator has an incredible amount of power and stuff like that. And I get that there's a, a lure of power. But at some point in time, and, and I don't know when you hit it, but maybe whether it's 65 or 70 or 75 or, or certainly by the time you start hitting 80, maybe it's isn't there other stuff in life than, you know, traveling back and forth between your home district and Washington, D.C.? Thanks a lot for the call, and I appreciate it. Just, I mean, just food for thought. Look, you, you need... We have minimum age requirements, and I, I look. I, I get into this discussion from time to time. I've been doing this job long enough that I, I'm one of these people who, for example, argues that we should have additional testing of older drivers. And and you've probably heard me go on my my rant about this, um, simply because again, the fact is. I don't see as well today as I did 25 years ago. I, I don't. And my guess is, if I'm fortunate enough to be here 25 years from now, I'm not going to see as well then as I do now. Th- these In Wisconsin, the way it works is you can renew your driver's license, and, and you can go, if you don't have an accident or a collision, you can essentially go eight years without having you know any sort of checks at all. And I just think that's crazy because, uh, again, the, the effects of, of aging – and I'm never, I would never argue that somebody should not be entitled simply because of an age to drive a car. But I do think it's reasonable, for example, to say, okay, once you hit a certain age, we're going to have added testing. Maybe some, maybe some on the road things. Maybe instead of being able to renew your license, you know, for eight years without being checked, maybe you make it two years. I, I think those are reasonable sorts of things. And, and I think we need to move to them. Unfortunately, there's no political will for it. Let's take a break. It's 126, Jeff Wagner. WTMJ broadcasting live from Miller Park. It's 136, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. WTMJ Radio presents the hometown call at Turner Hall. It is a viewing party for Game 1 this afternoon. It is a free event. Here's what we're going to do. Massive movie screen broadcast at the Turner Hall Ballroom. Turner Hall, of course, right across the street from the Bradley Center. Game 1 of the National League Division Series between the Brewers and the Rockies. And here's the cool thing. It is going to be synced to Hall of Famer Bob Euchre's play-by-play broadcast on WTMJ Radio and the Associated Bank Brewers Radio Network. Doors open at 3 o'clock this afternoon. First pitch is at 4. So if you're not in a position to be able to come out to Miller Park and enjoy the game in person, you can check it out at Turner Hall. All right. One of the things that's become an issue in the governor's race is the condition of the roads in this state. Despite the fact that I I think Governor Walker has put billions of dollars into road building and road growth, you've got everybody gets frustrated by the state of the infrastructure. And in in many respects, trying to build and improve roads is just a bottomless pit because given everything that goes on and the weather, the roads are always in need of repair and you want to have growth and all those sort of things. Plus, you have a Department of Transportation that for the last several decades – 
really, I don't believe, has been responsible to the taxpayers. We talked about this before. Journal Sentinel had the story about how there's this project involving the Marquette Interchange where, or the Zoo Interchange where they were double-billed. The state was double-billed, like $400,000 for gravel that was delivered, one load of gravel, 400 grand, and, and they were del- they were charged twice for it. And, and people caught it. They caught it. And administrators at the Department of Transportation decided to look the other way. No, we're not going to try to get the money back. And the, the, the road builders groups, the consortiums that had the deal, they they behaving in a, a way that, well, they should have been wearing masks and carrying guns. They refused to give the money back. That That's, unfortunately, part of the thing that goes on in Wisconsin, where you have just a, a lot of just uncaring people when it comes to how taxpayer money is spent. But in any event, there was a story, a little while ago that said there were some out-of-state and maybe out-of-country investors who wanted to come in and were offering to privatize the roadway. The Journal Sentinel has a little bit more of this, and it's kind of interesting. Here's the way they report it. Canadian and British investors told Wisconsin transportation officials last year that they had over a billion dollars available to fund highways in Milwaukee and around the United States. Apparently what happened is that they, they reached out to to Governor Walker's administration and it got kicked over to the state transportation secretary and apparently you know he he, he took a meeting, you know, or at least explored this a little bit. In November, some guy from one of these outfits told state officials that he was interested in investing in Milwaukee highways and had about $1.4 billion available for the, the projects. Now, they didn't explain explicitly how this would work, but typically what happens in these arrangements is that you have this private company that come in and they agree to either build or maintain the roads. Hey, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. We'll take care of this. But they say, then we're going to own the roads. And these roads, or we will, we're going to typically put in tolls. But it's going to be privatized for the roads. Now, that's something which we don't typically do around here. And Governor Walker's administration said, we're not interested. But, of course, let's take a step back here. You have these foreign investors who say, look, we're willing to come in here. You're complaining about the roads. You're saying you don't have enough money to fix the roads. Tell you what, we'll do it. We'll maintain them, and then we'll charge people to use it. Why bother? Now, we privatize other things, and in some cases it works, in other cases it doesn't work. But these companies, now, again, the Walker administration said not interested in this at all, You know, kind of shut it down. I understand why they did it. This isn't to be critical of them. But given where we are and given the fact that, you know, I I can't talk about the governor's race without having two people call in and complain about roads, what do you think about this idea? Should we explore privatization? The idea that responsibility for certain roadways will take it from the state, will take it from the county, will take it away from the, the city, whatever, and will let a private company do it, understanding that the private company is going to charge people to do it. Is this a solution to our road problem? 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would this be 
good alternative. Why should the taxpayers pay to widen this road or widen that road? Let's let a private company do it. Let's let a private company maintain it. And then let's just simply pay to use it. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. If you want to join us, 414-799-1620. It's 142. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 145, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from the 620 WTMJ mobile studio. I love being out on the road, including this guy who, honest to goodness, just walked by. He had to be 80 as of day, and he made an obscene gesture at us. I mean, it could have been directed at me. I just, I'm thinking, oh, stay classy, buddy. That's fine. It's just absolutely fine. You love being out here for opening day. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, uh, several months ago, apparently foreign investors came to the state and said, hey, you've got problems with building the roads? Tell you what, we'll, we've got a billion plus dollars, we will essentially buy these roads, we'll fix them up, we'll repair them, we'll build them, and then we'll charge people to use them. All right, the state of Wisconsin said no. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Peter in Milwaukee. Peter, you're first. Hi there, how are you? Thanks for taking my I'm, call. Thank you for calling, sir. Well, it is a good and it is not a good idea. I tell you what, we've got to find someone who really does good negotiating because it's pretty common in Europe, and the fact is the lack of maintenance. Uh, you don't know if you're aware of it, uh, probably about a month ago in Italy, a bridge collapsed, and it was uh, right. due to poor maintenance. And you better have some good inspectors, state inspectors, who will go in and tell this private company, hey, you better do this, you better do that, otherwise you lose your contract. That's number one. Right. Number two, we better have a clause and how much they can increase that toll. Because uh, in Europe, they continue to increase the toll every year, and unfortunately, they do not maintain the road. Right. Right. No, th- thanks for the call, Peter. I, see, I, I'm with you. I, I mean, I, I think Governor Walker did absolutely the right thing by saying thanks, but, but no thanks. We appreciate your interest. I mean, here's the bottom line. I, we have, I think, a really screwed up system, particularly in Wisconsin, when it comes to some of the stuff that's out there and the, the lack of controls and things like that. I think it's screwed up. But the one thing that I will say is at least you've got some degree of accountability and, and you've got the state that has the power to at least come in when you have the road builders that you know do the lousy jobs in the cases that they do and they're they're able to hold them accountable and in the state at the end of the day is ultimately responsible i don't think this is an example where you want to privatize stuff 414-799-1620 dave in grafton dave you're on wtmj good afternoon i agree with you jeff first off let me say that Every time this road thing comes up, I scoff at it. I, I drive between Milwaukee and Fond du Lac and Sheboygan and Waukesha, Madison, every day, and, and the roads that I use are in great condition. Now, I get into the city of Milwaukee, the roads are terrible, but I don't think that's Scott Walker's fault. I think that's mismanagement by Tom Barrett. But aside right. from that, uh, I think privatization is uh, is not a good route to go down. One of the public transportation and roads, it's one of the most basic functions of government, like providing police and fire service. And right. a privatization is going to be profit-driven. If there's no profit, 
Um, what are they going to do? Close the roads like Toys R Us and Boston store? <laughs> you know, right. So where, where are they going to make the profit? They're going to increase fees to the point that it's unaffordable for some people to drive on the roads, or they're going to skimp on the roads themselves. The, the safety standards are going to be cut for the quality. Right. Or instead of, uh, like, Milwaukee County plowing snow to have a bare road policy, they're going to say, well, we're only going to plow once a day. We can't afford to keep the roads, uh, you know, snow-free. Um, so I, I think it's a huge disaster. And again, I, I well, no, and, and I agree with you. And see, and I, I think you know there are some things that, candidly, I think you can do that privatization might make sense for. And, and but I think you have to look at it on a case by case, you know, basis. I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, can can we hire out custodial services or something like that? It's another thing when you're talking about, uh, again, like you were saying, one of the basic requirements of government, which is providing roads. Complete, completely different. And I think you can support some forms of privatization without saying, hey, turning it o- turning the roads over to a private European company would be a good idea. I think that's being done in, in some cases. Like the city of Milwaukee, um, during large snowstorms, they do hire private snowplows so they don't have you know $100,000 trucks sitting for right. eight months of the year. Um, that, I'm all for that, but the government is controlling those contracts. And again, I just want to reiterate that in southeast Wisconsin, the roads are perfectly fine. Good. Thank, thanks for the call. I mean, here's you know here's part of the issue, and, and people complain about the roads, and 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 I do I do think it's it shows how far we have come in Wisconsin over the last eight years that that this is now becoming a primary issue. We're not worried about jobs. We're not worried about the economy. That's all going great. We're not worried about the state of taxation. But you know we're concerned that there's a pothole. Well, there's always been potholes. That's kind of the reality. It is always a challenge though to figure out how you're going to do the road building we need to do, do the expansions, and also do the repairs. And I, I think it's it's fair to have an ongoing conversation about it. But as far as privatizing this, I think it's a bad idea. Gary and Sheboygan. Gary, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Afternoon. Yes. Uh, all you have to do is look at Chicago and what uh, the past mayor Daly did down there by selling the meters, the parking meters, uh, all street metering, to a private company. And uh, it's just been a horrendous deal for them because, for one thing, it's not creating the revenue they thought it was. Right. And the, the other thing is when what they didn't realize was when they would uh, uh, have to do street work and you take those meters out, the, they get charged for that. And the last thing I heard was this company was suing Chicago for $47 million in, in back revenue. It's just been a disaster all around. Thanks for the call, Gary. I mean, look, I, I, I have no problem with thinking outside the box or any stuff like that. But I, to, at some point in time, you want to say, look, we, we really got to go carefully here. The governor apparently shot this whole concept down from the jump. I think that was the right move. This is not an idea whose time has come. It's 152. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from outside of Miller Park. People are coming in. Everybody's excited about the game. Stick around. It's 156. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting live from outside of Miller Park. The grills are going, people wandering in. The gates are now open. 
first pitch a little bit over two hours from now, slightly after 4 o'clock. I'm going to be with you for a little bit over an hour. Then we're going to turn it over to Greg Matzik, and then we're going to turn it over to our Brewers pregame thing. As we move into the 2 o'clock hour, we're going to kind of segue into some conversations about baseball. Yeah, not the X's and O's and that type of stuff, but some some bigger picture type of points as we talk about you know what games like this mean. It's been it's been seven years, seven years since the last playoff game, and I will tell you, I remember I remember the first round playoffs um, when the Brewers beat Arizona in five games, tenth inning of Game Five, about as exciting as exciting as it could possibly get, and that's the type of stuff that people remember. If you are a long suffering Brewers fan, you can remember the World Series in 1982. You can remember getting back to the playoffs in 2008. You can remember 2011, and now here it is, 2018. You've got a team that's got the potential, potential, I say, to go all the way. And we're going to talk about eh, playoff rituals and showing up in person and supporting your team. That's all coming up in a couple um, minutes. Before that, I did just want to offer a comment about a story that, that occurred yesterday. I mentioned it briefly on the air. You periodically, you will have these group of protesters, many of whom are, are paid by various unions. And what they do is they show up outside of fast food places and they're arguing, we need $15 an hour for the minimum wage. Well, of course, the, the problem is, if you if you have government, for example, forcing somebody to pay a minimum wage that doesn't match up with what the job is worth, well, you're, you're, you're going to have a recipe for disaster. You know, if you had a lot of fast food places that would actually adopt a $15 an hour minimum wage, what you would see is you would see massive unemployment. You'd see massive layoffs because the fast food franchisees, what they're going to end up doing is they're going to automate. They're going to say, okay, well, instead of having three people behind the counter taking orders, what we're going to do is we're going to have one person behind the counter and we're going to have a kiosk. Well, in any event, the people that are protesting, in many cases, they're union organizations Organizers who are paid to go out and show up. Well, yesterday they showed up at a McDonald's in North Avenue. The owner of McDonald's had closed, so there, there wasn't anything to see. So what the group did then in an effort to get attention is instead of protesting at McDonald's, they decided to walk into the intersection, sit down, and then essentially force the police to arrest them. So they ended up getting themselves on television. Yeah, they ended up getting themselves on television. Okay, you've accomplished that. But have you brought anybody around to your cause by deciding? gee, you know, we're going to move the protest and we're going to try to disrupt things, my argument would be, well, okay, maybe these are the cases where TV should just stop giving these protesters what they want. It's a non-news story. They are encouraging, uh, again, the lawlessness by putting them on TV. You just ignore them, and maybe they're going to go away, something you can't ignore. The Milwaukee Brewers in 2018, we're going to be talking about that in just a couple minutes. Stick around. It's 159. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 210, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It is, the sun is shining, a little bit cool out here at Miller Park. Fans are streaming in right now. We are positioned right out in front of Miller Park, right by the circular drop-off, where all the different shuttle buses come in from the different bars and restaurants in town. It's been just a blast to watch all this going on. Uh, People are getting ready. First pitch, about two hours from now. A lot of people out here, people tailgating, people having a lot of fun. I'm going to be with you for another hour today. We're going to turn it over to Greg Matzik, and then he'll take you into Brewers baseball. The game is sold out, 45,000. 
thousand plus people. The Brewers are cautioning everybody. If you're coming out to the game, they're encouraging people to get to their seats early. I know they've got some special pregame activities that are going on, but also you've got security lines. I mean, think opening day and actually the weather kind of reminiscent of opening day when it's been dry. All right. But I want to kind of segue now into our conversation about baseball and the playoffs and how cool this is. And we've got a couple topics related to that. All right. First of all, one of the things, as I was saying earlier, for the people who were selling tickets in the secondary market, uh, the, the bottom has kind of fallen out of that because if the Cubs were coming up here, you know that there would be incredible demand from all the Chicago fans. Well, the, by virtue of the fact that the Cubs lost, and you just, I never get tired of saying that, by virtue of the fact that the Cubs lost the other night, what happens is now you've got the Colorado Rockies, and I'm sure there will be some Rockies fans here, but it's not like people you know driving 90 miles up from Chicago, 90 minutes up from Chicago. So you're, you're going to have, I think, many, 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 many Brewers fans here. Clearly, you're not going to have that thing that you have sometime from the, you know, is it you know Miller Park, is it like Wrigley Park North or whatever, Wrigley Field North. But it's going to be fun. Now, this is the first year that my buddy and I, we, we broke down, and I, I've told this story before, we, we, we bought a 20-pack of season tickets. And I, I would tell you that the 20-pack season ticket, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I went to, I used almost all those games and then got a games from TMJ or whatever. So I think I've probably been to about 25 games or, or 30 games maybe this year. And if you're going to make a purchase, this was the year to do it, and next year will be the year to do it as well. Because it's fun going to the games in person. I have a lot of fun. Now, there's true. it's true that when you go to a game, you, you give up some stuff. You give up the convenience of being able to listen to the game at home or watch the game on TV, you give up the convenience of being able to walk 10 steps and you're in your bathroom, you give up the convenience of being able to walk into the kitchen and grab a beer. But what you do is you get this shared communal experience. You and 30,000 or 35,000 or like today, 45,000 of your best friends all hanging out together, cheering on your team. I got into this conversation with somebody the other day, though, because they said, are you going to the games? I said, yeah, I'm going to be broadcasting from outside the games. And then, you know, I've got the tickets. I'm, I'm going to be going in. I'm going to be enjoying the game. And they were telling me, well, you know, that sounds like it might be okay. But I just kind of like to stay home and, and watch the games on, on TV or listen to the games on the radio. And I said, really? I mean, if you had a chance, if you had the opportunity to go to the game, you'd rather, like, like stay home? And the guy I was talking to said, yeah, that, that's kind of it. And I admit, I don't get it. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Does it matter to you if you're there? If you have a chance to go to, now we're talking about the Brewers' playoff games, but if you have a chance to go to a sporting event live, particularly a sporting event like this, something that, you know, we haven't had a home playoff game in seven years, would you rather be there live or does being there live not matter? Is it, ah, gee, I, I can listen to the game on the radio, I can put it on television. Yeah, it, it's not quite the same, but, you know, I don't have to pay as much for the beer. I don't have to wait for the hot dogs. I don't have to stand in line for the restroom. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Is it important for you to be there in person? 414-799-1620. We discuss in a minute. 214, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1218, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Go to Facebook.com, our 620 WTMJ Facebook page. Just took the picture. The chorizo 
standing outside the mobile broadcast facility, me in the background. I tell you, it does not get any better than that. All right, a guy was arguing with me the other day saying, well, I understand why you might like to go to the ball game, but I just as soon stay at home, listen to the game on the radio, watch it on TV. I don't get it. Let's start with Derek in Menominee Falls. Hi, Derek. Hello, Jeff. Thank you for uh, taking my call. I yes, sir. I wanted to say I agree with you wholeheartedly. Just due to the fact that as Milwaukee baseball fans, we don't get this every year, and if I could go to one of these two games, I would have done it. Worked in the way, but we don't get this chance too often, so it's once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that you got to take advantage of. Well, you know, it, it, it may very well be. I mean, you, you always think the team's going to get back and next year's team is going to be better or whatever, but the truth is it's been seven years since the Brewers were in the playoffs, and the Brewers haven't been to the World Series I don't want to put the cart ahead of the horse, but they haven't been to the World Series since 1982. So when you get these kind of opportunities, I, I think if you get a chance, you got to take advantage of them, and you, you got to show out, show up. And there's nothing like being at some place in person. There's just not. Correct. Now, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. John in Nina. John, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I. Thanks I for calling. The last. Uh, yeah, I agree with the last caller. Me and my brother went to the divisional in '11 and also in '08. And you know, whether it's Bucks, Brewers, Packers, dude, it's it, it, you got to experience it. It's it's not the same as a home regular home game. It's it's awesome. So for those well, who want to stay home, by all means, but you know, you <laughs> you know, you, you you might as well go. It, it's worth the well, price. <laughs> Well, well, it is because you're you're making memories. Now, thanks for the call, John. I mean, I, I was saying this. I vividly rem- one of the things I'm I'm really kind of hung up on is it doesn't seem like seven years ago. I mean, I remember being here for the last time they were in the Division Series, playing the Arizona Diamondbacks, and, and you might remember they, they it was a five game series. They ended up winning. That was the team that had Paul, no, Paul Muller. Uh, that was the team that had Ryan Braun and Prince Fielder and Niger Morgan, and they ended up winning. Game five, you know, in the 10th inning, just a spectacular sort of play. And I can remember walking out of, of Miller Park, and the, the place was just rocking. Everybody's coming out. Everybody's celebrating. It seems like it was just yesterday, but it was seven years ago. And, and, and yes, I know if I had been watching it at home, I would have been celebrating. I would have been incredibly happy. But it, it just flat out wasn't the same. And, and it's a memory. It, it's being there. I, I know I am dating myself, but I, I one of my most spectacular Brewers memories is I remember in 82 the American League Championship Series. Brewers had to win three in a row at the Old County Stadium. I remember those games, particularly that Sunday, and everybody's seen the replays where, you know, the ground ball to shortstop and it ends the game. That I was there. How cool is that? Sherry in Milwaukee. Sherry, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. Um, we will be going to the game tomorrow night, and tonight we'll be watching it um, at a local theater enjoying some wings. I'm sorry, Sherry. Do we lose you? Okay. Yeah, yeah, she was. She was. Yeah. Um, we. I'm sorry, Sherry's, Sherry's phone kind of dropped out there. It was one of those situations where I even mean, she said she was going to be going tomorrow night. I, I get that. And look, and I understand not everybody has the opportunity to go, and that the tickets are expensive, and the tickets are hard to come by, and all that stuff. And 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 I get it. And I, I certainly would not 
suggest to you, for example, that you know, you if you can't get into the game, that means you don't listen to it or whatever. Because no, you want to be a fan and you want to participate. I'm just saying that if you get the opportunity, you take advantage of it because there's nothing like being at a game live. Period. All right, two twenty-two. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, back with more in just a minute. It's 2.25, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Once again, we've been broadcasting all afternoon from outside of Miller Park in our WTMJ mobile studio. I'll be with you until 3 o'clock today. And by the way, cool thing is we do this all again tomorrow, my show from noon until 2. There's an earlier first pitch, but I'll be here for a couple hours, so be sure and stop off and say hello. If you cannot make it out to Miller Park this afternoon, we, we do want to encourage you to, I don't know, watch the game with hundreds and hundreds of your closest Brewer fan friends. We are presenting the hometown call at Turner Hall. Turner Hall, of course, right across from the Bradley Center. We're having a Turner Hall viewing party for Game 1. It is a free event. Did I mention it was a free event? Massive movie screen broadcast at Turner Hall in the ballroom, which is on the second floor of Game 1 of the division series between the Brewers and the Rockies. And here's the cool thing about this. It's synced to... The radio broadcast, so you can hear Hall of Fame Bob broadcaster Bob Euchre's play-by-play broadcast on WTMJ Radio and the Associated Bank Radio Network, Brewers Radio Network. The doors open in about 35 minutes. Doors open at 3 o'clock, <clears throat> first pitch slightly after 4 o'clock. So, you know, going down, kind of play hooky, a lot of fun for that. And by the way, as long as we're talking about Bob Eucher, we start off the program tomorrow, 12.07. We are going to be joined by Mr. Baseball, Bob Eucher. We'll talk about what the Brewers' playoffs mean. We're going to talk a lot of stuff with, with Bob. Bob is just a, a great guy, a Milwaukee treasure, um, just a, an institution as well. And I will tell you, one of the things, look, I, I think as Brewers fans, we're always thrilled to see that the Brewers are doing well and things like that. But one of the things that's really cool is for some of the people that have been around the team forever, guys like Bob Eucher, um, and, and the truth is, there's a lot of great jobs that you can have in the world, and I have a great job, no question about it. Being you know, a play-by-play broadcaster or a color columnist, commentator for you know, a Major League Baseball t- team is a great job. But let's face it, there, there's a lot of seasons where, you know, 162 game season, teams not doing well. And, you know, let's face it, you know, over all the decades that Bob has done broadcast, there's been years when the Brewers haven't done that well. He's always been entertaining. He's always been up. He's always had fun. And I will tell you, talk to any broadcaster, and they'll tell you they love their job, but it's a lot more fun covering the team when the team is a winning team as opposed to when the team is losing 100 games. And this year, you've got a winning team, and I'm just thrilled for everybody on the team. I'm thrilled for management, and I'm certainly thrilled for... You know, again, Milwaukee and, and Wisconsin legend and institution, Bob Euchre. We'll be talking to Bob at 12.07 right out of the box tomorrow for the ball game. All right. Now, I, it, was, it was interesting. Yesterday, I think it was, my, my friend Jane Matinere from the, the Morning News, she, she corrals me and says, Jeff, I, I, we're, I'm doing this feature for today, which would be today. And she said, I'm, I'm just I'm talking about, you know, for some of the, like, the long-term Brewers fans, I'm, I'm just... Wondering, I know you go to a lot of games, and I know you watch and listen to a lot of the games, and I'm wondering, do you have any rituals? And I said, well, yes, as as a matter of fact, I 
I do have a, a couple rituals. And she said, would you be willing to share them? Now, at this point in time, people are starting to gather in the newsroom. And, and my colleague, Gene Miller, he's like, yeah, I've got rituals, too. So I didn't get a chance to hear the piece, but I think it probably aired today. Yes, I... I acknowledge that, you know, when I watch baseball games, I I have rituals. One of the things is I am hopelessly old school, and I I score along with it. When we go into the ballpark, I find the guy that sells the scorecards. Regular season, they cost two bucks. My guess is they're going to cost a lot more when I go in in about a half hour. But I score the game. And when I sit at home and I either watch or listen to the game or watch and listen to the game, I I score along. I have a, a big... I have this giant scorebook that you you get that they that you get if you're like a like a radio play by play guy that's got spaces for like 200 games and I, I have one of those and and I score along and I, I follow along with it. Well, ever since the Brewers started winning in early September, I, I've been using the same pen when I when I score along, and so my ritual has become and I have the pen in my hand now. My ritual has become that yeah I. I I use the pen, and it, it's this pen. This is my lucky pen, and I'm going to continue to use that. Gene Miller, <clears throat> Gene said, well, I've been wearing the same shirt for the last f- several days. Ever since the Brewers started winning, I haven't changed the shirt. And I was actually thinking, well, um, my, my, my using the same pen doesn't sound anywhere near as weird, but he's been wearing the same shirt. But that's what his ritual is. So I thought we would have a little bit of fun as we ease towards the first pitch. I, I know for long-suffering Brewers fans out there that there's got to be, that, that I'm not, Gene Miller and I aren't the only two people that have sort of rituals that we follow when we watch, whether it's attending games, wearing the same baseball hat, or wearing the same sweatshirt, or whatever. So I thought we'd have a little bit of fun. Let's open up the phone lines, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you have a baseball ritual? Do you have a playoff ritual? Is there something that you have to do when you're watching or listening to the game or attending the game in person? What is your lucky ritual? It's 2.36, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting outside of Miller Park. People streaming in. Going to be a good day. We're talking about traditions right now. I mean, I I score the games, and I use the same pen. And don't know what's going to happen with the pen if they end up not winning the World Series. But right now, this is the lucky pen. Mike in Marquette, Michigan, writes, Since the trade deadline, I have not talked sports smack on social media, and it seemed to work. In addition, I only shaved or got a haircut on days the Brewers lost, Drank even amounts of beer and played the song Miracles by the Jefferson Starship. Jeff at Fox Point said, I don't mix hats with jerseys or apparel to which they do not correspond. In other words, wrong hat with a powder blue throwback jersey. And I don't go see the Brewers play teams in person, starting with the letter P. They lost two out of the 14 games I attended when I committed these infractions. Okay, 414-799-1620. It's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, what is your tradition? Sean in Pewaukee. Sean, you're on WTMJ. Hello. How are you doing today? I am well, thank you. I'm going to go see the ball game. It doesn't get any better than that for me. I'll be watching at my friend's bar in Boomers in Pewaukee. But, yeah, my tradition is I've had the same jersey. I used to work for the Brewers back in the early thousands as the catering chef. And I bought a, uh, a pair of blue shoes. Uh, about a month ago from Goodwill, Wisconsin here, and I've been wearing those ever since they've gone on the tear. So. <laughs> so, so so keep rocking those shoes. I don't want to see you in dress shoes or anything. I want to see you in those blue shoes there, Sean. 
Just like they are What's in the pictures, but they don't have the cleats on them. <laughs> there, there you go. Enjoy the game, Sean. Thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. All right. You're lucky. The, the thing you got to do, your lucky charm for baseball. Now, look, I understand that there's a lot of people that have rituals when they watch football games, but I think there's a lot of people that have rituals for baseball, especially since the Brewers have been on this run in early September. Bruce in Milwaukee. Bruce, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Afternoon. Thanks for taking my call, Jeff. Yes, sir. Hi. Uh, well, my ritual is actually a new ritual. Historically, I've always went to the first round of the playoffs, Brewers, everything, every time it comes about, and they always go out in the first round. So today, I actually turned down free tickets from a distributor of mine, and I'm deciding not to attend the first round in hopes that they, hopes that they make it to the second round. Now, see, Bruce, this is the ultimate. You are the ultimate guy who's taken one for the team. You had a chance to go to. You had a chance to go to the game, be entertained and stuff. But you knew if you were here, they would lose, huh? Yeah, well, I didn't know, but historically, that's what happened. And I don't, you know, I think we have a good opportunity here, and I don't want to squander it. Uh, Bruce, I, I tell you, it's, I, I tell you, you're get, thanks for the call, Bruce. You are getting a round of applause from the people walking by. They are appreciating the fact that you are willing to put team above your own personal self-interests. That is what being a Brewers fan is all about. All right, when we come back in just a couple minutes, we're going to give you a chance to go on record before the playoff series starts. All right, we will be recording. Stick around. 2.40, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting live from Miller Park. 2.42, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I'm so glad we played that highlight. That was from last Friday's game against Detroit. I was at the game. My seats are kind of behind home plate. Eighth inning, 5-5, five to five, and I admit I was kind of a grumpy Gus because the, the Brewers, that was the game they fell behind 3 to nothing. I'm going, oh, my gosh, they're going to lose this game. I, I saw the, the fly ball. Couldn't tell from my seats what happened to it. Then afterwards, I see the replay. Hits the Chicago, hits the Detroit uh, Tigers. Hits the right fielder's glove. Rolls out of the guy's glove. Rolls along the top of the padding out there in the wall and then falls over. You start to talk about things like that and you say, okay, maybe this is a team of destiny because nine times out of ten, the guy's going to catch that ball. It's like what happened in St. Louis last week where the Brewers need to have that win. St. Louis has the pinch runner that comes in. There's a bad throw. The guy runs around third base. Looks like he's going to score and all of a sudden he does a face plant. Boom. Falls down. Gets thrown out at home plate. Those are the things that kind of tell you maybe you've got a team of destiny okay here's the deal we're, we're kind of up against the clock here only have about 10 minutes or so we've been talking baseball we've been talking about all sorts of other stuff the brewers are getting ready to start the playoffs i understand that i, I look at things maybe through a fan's eyes but i have to tell you objectively I think the Brewers are as good as any team in the National League, maybe as good as any team in baseball. I think they are going to the World Series. How far is this team going to go? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is our last chance to discuss playoff predictions before the playoffs actually start. Brewers are at home. They've got the home field advantage throughout all the National League playoffs. So if they win this series, they will be at home against either Los Angeles or Atlanta. Game's getting ready to kick off. The Brewers have announced kickoff. Sorry, I don't want to mix my metaphors. The Brewers have announced, you know, their, their playoff roster. 
How good is this team? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Just like any team, they need things to go right. But I'll tell you, as somebody who's watched sports for decades and decades and decades, sometimes you see these teams and a lot of good players, but first of all, are the teams healthy? And the Brewers in general are healthy right now. Secondly, there's teams that just seem to get breaks. It becomes your year. It's the guy that falls and does the face plant instead of scoring the winning run, or the ball that should have been caught but goes over the fence. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's start with Paul in Colgate. Paul, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What do you think? How far does this team go? Oh, I think they'll win this series, and the Braves will win, and the Braves will come to Milwaukee and take the Brewers. Oh, you're going with the Braves over the Brewers. Tell me why. Did, did anybody ever think of that scenario? <laughs> well, it, now th- thanks for call. I mean, I guess, you know, that would be an interesting thing. You know, the the team, when the Braves were in Milwaukee, they won the World Series. I guess that would be sort of an interesting type of thing. 414-799-1620. I'm sorry. I just think I think the Brewers are a better team. I don't I don't I got to confess. I don't follow the American League that well. I, I pay a lot of attention to the National League. Don't follow the Na- American League, except inevitably, you know, if you watch ESPN, you can't help yourself because it's going to be you know, Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. But I'm telling you, I think the Brewers compare well with them. Ken in Milwaukee. Ken, you're on WTMJ. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing well. How far do the Brewers go? Playoff baseball back in Milwaukee. The Brewers will go to the World Series. And they're going to go as far as their hitting is going to take them, Jeff. Their pitching is outstanding. They have great depth in their pitching, but they've got to be able to get those runners in in scoring position. That's been you know, kind which of is, their nemesis. Um, uh, well, you know, up until the last month. Yeah, up until yeah, no, the last uh, month, correct. But a little uh, small right, ball no. by great counsel. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Thanks to call that. You know, that was as I'm listening to these games at home, and my my wife will testify to this. I'm I'm kind of screaming, "Oh, you got a guy on third base with no outs. You got to be able to get him in." But I will tell you, the last month or so, they've been doing that. You know, they've been cashing in on those opportunities. And you're right; you have to be able to do that, and you need some breaks. It's always going to be interesting to see. Also, who are the players that are going to emerge? It seems like it's always somebody that comes out of the clear blue, somebody that you didn't think of. I'll give you an example. Example, just the other day, the game against uh, the Cubs on Monday. Okay, Orlando Arcia, who gets, who's a great shortstop, but gets sent to the minor leagues because he was hitting less than 200. He go, he comes back. He goes four for four in arguably the biggest game of the season. How cool is that? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. All right, uh, Glenn in Glendale, you're on WTMJ. Hello. <laughs> good morning. How you doing? Hi. I'm good, Glenn. What do you think? How far do the Brewers go? Actually, this is the year, uh, seriously, that I think the Brewers are going to go all the way. They're going to win the World Series. They've got the pitching uh, sequence and, and the system down. They've got the hitting down. Uh, they've got a player uh, somewhat like they had uh, with Yant. They've got Yelich and all the rest of them backing them up. And I, I sincerely think the Brewers are going to take the series. This is their now, year. Now, now, Glenn, I, and I know you have been a long-suffering Brewers fan for decades, right? Long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm telling you, thanks for the call, pal, from your lips to God's ears. I, absolutely. You look at this, I, and I mean, that's one of the great things about this Brewers lineup, too. I mean, you there's... 
I mean, you go, you know, one through six, you're talking about world-class right. hitters, and if Orlando yeah. RC is hitting, it's great. No, yeah. no it's outstanding. Glenn, thanks for the call. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620. All right, Mike in Chicago. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. I've called your show many times. I know I'm not a Cubs fan. I'm a diehard Packers fan, but I think the Rockies win this in four. I think they showed a lot of a lot of perseverance in that 13-inning game the other night coming from L.A., and I think they're going on adrenaline where the Brewers were sitting around for a couple of days, I guess, much-needed rest. I think Colorado splits here, splits in Milwaukee, and goes home and wins two in a row in Colorado and wins, wins it in four. I think they've got enough right-handed power in their lineup to offset the the Brewers' uh, pitching staff, and I uh, saw Kristen Yelich is your MVP. He's a great player. But watch the, well, remember this name, Trevor Story of the Colorado Rockies. I think he, yep. uh, yeah, I think he steals the show here in Colorado, wins this in four, Jeff. Well, I, 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 Mike, thanks for the call. I appreciate you listening, and I appreciate opposite perspectives, and I also appreciate, I know you've called the show before, and like you say, you are a Packers fan in Bears country, so you've got a special place in my heart. But in this particular one, I think you're all wet. But but I get it. I, I will say this. I mean, the I think today and tomorrow are important games for the Brewers simply because the the, the better Colorado pitchers are going to be lined up over the weekend. Um, so... And again, anything can happen, but I think if the Brewers could get these two games in, it would, two wins today and tomorrow would be incredibly important. It would be a great jump start. Now I understand that's kind of an obvious thing to say. Well, gee, he's saying that you win the first two games, you know, in a five game series where you got to win the best three out of five. Okay. But what I'm saying is I think Colorado, they're better pitchers taking nothing away from the people that are pitching today and tomorrow, their better pitchers are going to be lined up to pitch at home. So that's, I think, one of the concerns and the issues that you have. Shane in Menominee Falls. Shane, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, how's it going? I want Very to well, thank you, sir. I think, personally, as long as they keep the lineup the way it is, I don't see the best ending in their pitching staff. they got the best pitching staff in the league, I think. The guys coming out of the bullpen are just knockout artists when it comes to the pitching staff. I mean, look, you got Hayter that's sitting there throwing strikes left and right. Yep. He might have an off night maybe once in a while, but it's rare. I mean, the Brewers are way too hungry for this, and they're going to take the World Series. Well, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, thanks to the call, Shane. I mean, I will say this. I mean, if you look at the quality that the bull, Brewers have in that bullpen, if they – Get a lead early, and you know they're they're ahead after five or six innings. I mean, is there a better bullpen in the league to hold this? You know, it's going to be interesting. I mean, today's a today's what they're calling one of the bullpen games. They've got Brandon Woodruff, who was a starter. Then they had him in the bullpen. He's going to pitch a couple innings. Then I think they're they're going to go to you know different alternatives. But it's a lot of fun. 